Welcome back to Inside the Pastor Study Podcast. I'm Pastor Jeremy. And I'm Pastor George. And we are back with you on a Monday morning, ready and raring to go. Monday! Yeah, it's great. Uh, I, uh, I'm i thrilled that we found a Monday to, pod, to yeah. podcast on. Feels like it's been a bit since we've, we've been able to cut this out and uh, spend some time together on a Monday morning. Mondays are fun. And uh, it gives us a chance, like, you know, the old saying, Monday morning quarterbacking. We spent a lot of time on Monday mornings just working through... The previous day and thinking through yeah. uh thinking through how things went over the weekend services so that's fun so yeah. we're back and we 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 uh we we've already had those conversations sorry that's inside inside the pastor study podcast right, right. but now we're just inside the pastor study yes and uh we're ready to go with some cool stuff that i think is in store for us before we get into that though we should introduce ourselves my name yeah. is pastor jeremy and I'm pastor george and we are a father and son pastoral team serving the uh, local church we're local church guys we love the local church and and um, we uh, we are here. Uh, uh, the whole point of this podcast is to give you a window into some of the things that pastors talk about throughout the week together. Uh, the the conversations that that we have that are faith and scripture influenced, um, but don't necessarily have like um, you know they're not necessarily they topics. don't make it to the pulpit. Yeah, you can't really pull them off in the pulpit. Like no. it's it's hard to preach the things we talk about in this podcast, but they're still we think helpful, um, and uh, hopefully they're they're a good tool in your discipleship process and things that the conversations that you can then take and have with family and friends uh after you've listened to the episode so maybe maybe you've heard a nugget in this that's helpful and you can share and we love that and you can also share the podcast that's also very helpful to us we love please that kind do of thing. please do um so uh we kick off every uh we talk about this being a special podcast we kick off every episode with a theological term shouldn't we say and a very special <laughs> yeah, podcast. Right, yeah um and this whole podcast is actually going to be centered around this theological term because it's a it's, it's a bit of a biggie, but before we do that, we need the cool bumper music. The Theological Term of the Week. All right, bumper music has happened, so we we're go. in, and we can officially talk theology now. Yes, yeah. yeah. The, so, the Theological Term of the Week is charisma. Charisma. All right. We're talking about Holy Spirit words. We are. And this is the biggie. I, I, I imagine that if you've been around the church for a bit and you are aware of just a little bit of church history, you know that this was eventually a thing that was coming where you hit that button so our people, you know, watching can't, you know, be uh, confused by your cell phone going off. There. Yes. You can watch the podcast, by the way. Yes. A number of people who are, I've seen this, like I saw a stat that of 53% of our uh, our broadcast listeners, um, you know, the podcast listeners have at some point watched our podcast. So that's wow. kind of cool. Yeah. So thanks for checking us out. Yeah. Um, so you can do that in the Spotify app or watching us on YouTube. Um, so anyway, we're going back to Where are you going to like and subscribe? <laughs> yeah. Going back to this conversation about about the Holy Spirit and the things that the Holy Spirit does. If you've been around church at all, you know that one of the one of the big controversies in uh, in the Protestant movement particularly, although it's in the Catholic movement too. It is, yes. uh, But one of the, the controversies in the Protestant movement throughout church history has been what do we do with the Holy Spirit? And we've hit all yes. of these other words on what the Holy Spirit does, but gifting. Yes. Charisma. Charisma. That's a, yeah. that's a big one. So yeah. we figured why not spend some uh, extended time working through uh, what the Holy Spirit does. Right. Right. So the word charisma basically is a Greek word meaning gift. Mm. So I, you 
talk about charismatic gifts and you're basically saying the gift gifts. <laughs> right. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so, the Los Angeles Angels. The the Angels Angels. Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the concept of that charisma is that the Holy Spirit gifts individuals for service, which whether you realize it or not, the Holy Spirit gifts every single believer mm-hmm. with a gift. Right. Every, that's that's the origin of the concept of the charismatic gifts or the idea of spirit gifts. Every single believer has a gift. So every single believer is charismatic, not just the Pentecostals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, because the Holy Spirit freely gives a gift, at least a gift yeah. to every single believer. This is... <sighs> This whole topic, it's it's going to be interesting to kind of work our way down this road. But this is a challenge because we we do build in some resistance to certain ideas just because we, we, there have been historical disagreement on yes. issues. Yeah, and, and so uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, as we work through this, we're going to be able to break down some of those walls and just have good understanding. So really, this goes back to a term that we've used in the past because we talked about Montanism, mm-hmm. and Montanism is really what the current day charismatic movement is Hmm. um they they really whether and and the funny thing is they don't even realize it they've just kind of they've just kind of recycled an old and oh man i'm gonna do it the confrontational thing here yeah it's been a while since you've done something offensive yeah they have basically recycled an old heresy yeah and brought it up again as though it were new but it's the same old heresy that the church dealt with in 200 AD and hmm. said, this is wrong. And they, I mean, every aspect of it, you know, Montanism said that you got special direction and special revelation from God. And uh, quite often that special revelation from God came through uh, women. Hmm. And, you know, the Montanist had, uh, they had the prophetesses mm-hmm. who were, they were the ones that you needed to listen to because they had new revelation from God. So what we think of as the charismatic movement is really just an old version of Montanism. Um, do you, you know? Do you need to throw Montanists out as heretics? Um, that's an interesting question because well, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, that's a hmm. you know they're not they're heretics in that they're what they're teaching is out of balance and out of phase with the rest of Scripture, but at the same time they're not godless. They're not going to hell. Right. So yeah, they're be. They've taken perhaps a half step beyond orthodoxy. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's where this problem lies is because it's only a half step beyond orthodoxy. Yeah. So it clashes distinctively because you do a half step. It's kind of like doing an F sharp next to a G. You have have that clash, but at the same time, you're looking at it and your final analysis, you say, but but I'm going to have to deal with these people in heaven, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? So when we're talking about spiritual gifts, we identify from an evangelical perspective that every single believer has a spiritual gift. Yeah. And now when we have purpose, right? Yeah. Purpose. Yeah. Yes. Now, when we say that, just, just so I want to back this off. We're not saying that every single believer has a sign gift. Right. And I think that's where we're going to need to spend some time there this okay. morning. That's where we're going to spend a lot of time this morning, yeah. right? Because... We're saying every believer is gifted. 
And when we say that every believer is gifted, we're saying that God has, through his Holy Spirit, empowered, and I think on a permanent basis, every single believer to benefit, encourage, develop um, the church. Permanent basis. So you're saying those gifts won't, like, change? No, I don't think they change. So you think that, uh, this is, uh, I may disagree <clears throat> with you on this, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, to, let's, let's tease this out a bit. Yeah. So you're saying that, all right, so Billy becomes a Christian. Yes. Um, post-conversion with the Holy Spirit immediately, you know, you know, this right. doesn't come later with baptism or anything, you know, post-conversion, immediately the Holy Spirit indwells Billy and blesses Billy with a spiritual gift that is something not talent-related, is something that is Holy Spirit given. We're, yes. we're still together on this. Yes. Um, and the purpose of that gift is to build up and encourage the, the church. church. Right? The, right. the church bigger, but also the church local that Billy yeah, goes to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then you're, you're, um, you're asserting that that gift or set of gifts are permanent. Yes. Um, and will not change as Billy grows or as his church changes. No. All right. So is it, I, I think it might be different. Like I, I, I don't know what I would but, base this on, right? But so, I, I, I know, don't I don't but if Billy's church like you know, which is an organism and changes over time, like does it like cha- pivot on Billy's gifts that don't change? Or is there like if there is a new need that arises in Billy's church, would Billy may Spirit, actually receive a would the Holy Spirit gift? fill him with a another or a gift, or would the Holy Spirit potentially change his gift set? No. Um to accommodate that I don't think that the Holy Spirit will change your primary gift. Okay, interesting. I do think that the Holy Spirit can fill you on a temporary basis. See, dish, right. different different it's a good right? thing we laid all these things out earlier, huh? Yeah. Holy Spirit can fill you temporarily for a specific work. Okay. But does I can not agree with you on that. But does not take away your initial spiritual gift. All right. So, I mean, there there are aspects of this that are really interesting. For example, if um, let, let's say you have Pastor John, mm-hmm. I know Pastor John. Okay, different Pastor John because oh, okay. <laughs> I, I know Pastor John and he's a good guy. Yeah. I, so, let's say you have Pastor John, who um, is spirit gifted to be a teacher and pastor. And, um, and, uh, just pastor, teacher, bishop, he's got those, those gifts, right? And pastor John, pastor John has an adulterous affair and he's Mm. no longer in the pulpit. Right. So definitely not the pastor John we're talking about. That's good. It's good to clarify that. Good to clarify that. Right. So now pastor John is done. He's, he does not fit the qualifications of elder anymore. Right. Right. He, so he can't be a pastor, but he still has those gifts. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So the congregation that restores Pastor John and encourages Pastor John and blesses him and brings him back from his sin and reinvigorates him in his spiritual walk needs to identify Pastor John has, still has a gift set. Has a gift set. Mm-hmm. So I need to get put Pastor John into a place where he can teach, disciple, encourage, um, maybe even counsel hmm. because Pastor John has spiritual gifts. It would be a waste 
of the Holy Spirit's power to not bring Pastor John through reconciliation and re-employ him in the body of Christ. I've actually seen this done um, really well. I've seen it done really poorly a lot. Yeah. Um, I've seen this done really well in a church that's somewhat local to us where a pastor had failed a number of years ago and it really devastated that large church and his, but through restoration and and many years of the Lord working in his heart, he now has this wonderful ministry. He and his wife have this wonderful ministry to, um, I remember him saying like, to protect young pastors in their 50s, because he's in his like yeah, 80s now. Yeah, yeah. To protect young pastors in their 50s yeah. from experiencing the same um, types, making the same poor decisions that led to his failure. It's amazing. Right? Good, and so yeah. he's re- he is, yeah, so he's still using yeah. that and he's shepherding and pastoring these pastors. So he's not sure. qualified to be in the pulpit or to be leading a local church and he recognizes that, but he is still Holy Spirit enabled to shepherd and pastor and care for you know, others, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's the exciting thing is every believer has a spiritual gift. Hmm. And, and I think that it, I would call it his primary, his or her primary spiritual gift. And you need to find that and you need to pursue it and you need to exercise it yeah. in your life. Yeah. And uh, it's not necessarily, and I would, I would argue it isn't a sign gift. Right. We'll have to get, we'll have to okay. get to sign gifts in a minute so, to, so, to Distinguish those. Let's things. distinguish these, right? Um, the scripture gives us three lists of, and we all know about lists gifts. in the Bible, right? They're right, not lists, all they're, inclusive. They're never all inclusive. They're they're never exhaustive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that because if you compare the lists, uh, you know, the one list is in Romans thirteen. The other list is in Ephesians four. Third list you'll find in First uh, Corinthians, Corinthians. Uh, fourteen. Um, you take those lists and they don't overlap. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are overlaps. There are, yeah, but okay? probably you know the the primary overlap is this whole idea of pastor teacher that overlaps mm-hmm. in all of them, which is interesting that that gift overlaps in the three. Whereas things like sign gifts, I mean, you don't see, for example, you don't see speaking in tongues in Romans thirteen. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see it in all of the in all of the lists. So. I think that the lists are not exhaustive by any means, and I don't think that you necessarily see every spiritual gift identified in those lists. So there's another controversial thing, because there are people... That really messes with all those quizzes I took in high school. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All of those gift lists Mm -hmm. that are really just a... Personality test. Personality test. Spiritualized. Spiritualized, Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, how do you, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about discovering your spiritual gift in a minute, but, but I think that there's these lists give you an idea. They, they direct you, they identify the Holy Spirit may have very specific aspects. He might have you as a good administrator. He may make you hospitable. He, he may make you a giver. He may make you a, he may make you a, uh, an encourager. Those are some of those words. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he's going to direct you to be something very specific in the big C church, hmm. and it's going to affect your little C church mm-hmm. dramatically. Uh, and it's tough, you know, it's tough when you have a little C church, a local church, and there are gift mixes that either aren't 
seen or um, because you don't have them, which is different. Mm -hmm. But it also means that there may be people who are not exercising their spiritual gift, and they should be. Hmm. Hmm. And the church is... There'd be an interesting discussion. Like, if you can, like, sit as a um, leadership team as a church and identify, like, go through your role of members and, like, all right, these are... Or, or just think through your ministries. These are the gifts that we see exercised in our congregation. What are we lacking? And then to ask the question of the Holy Spirit, are we lacking this because you haven't provided or are, you, are we lacking this because somebody's not exercising it? That'd be an interesting... That'd like, be an interesting, yeah. Um, like conversation. I'm not sure yeah. how to yeah. how to land that, but it'd yeah. be an interesting thing to think through. Like, yeah. you know, this is clearly a need we have as a church. Does this exist? Already, and is there somebody that needs to be encouraged into action, or is this a is this a gift that we've identified that we need to pray that the Holy Spirit brings into our congregation so that we can see it exercised? Interesting. Yeah, that would be an interesting exercise. Yeah. So now you think you think spiritual gifts are temporary? I, I think that they. Oh, I, just, I, I I believe they can be right. I, yes. I think because. I know I, I see this like hierarchy in my mind of like you have the you have God and his sovereignty who um engages his bride the church um which is made up of believers and so in my head like the order of God's priority goes like himself and his character then his church and then he uses his people to accomplish his church's mission and so I wonder if, you know, I just wonder if like God sees like a need in his church and then, you know, and, you know, and, you know, uh, and dwells a believer already local in that space to well, then have that. Believer, fills right? that yeah. or, no, sorry. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, since we've already done all these words in pe- previous episodes, fills a believer in that particular space to meet that particular need in his church. I, I, so I, I don't know. I think of it in that, like in that angle. And so I, I don't know. It just, I could see God altering somebody. If if our here's where I wrestle with, if our gifts are not talents, right? If there is a distinction between God given talent and spiritual gift, and a spiritual gift comes at the pleasure of the Holy Spirit's indwelling, um, uh, then I could see the Holy Spirit. Doing, doing a new thing in us as we mature and grow and as our church matures and grows. Okay. Um, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't see Interesting word a, choice, by the way. New thing, that's a very charismatic I phrase. know, right? And we gotta, we got to pull that out here, yeah. right? Um, with, our, with my belief in a fully closed canon and yeah, revelation yeah. and all that. But God still you know, cares about the impact of his church. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I, I, I wonder. I, I wonder. And I don't know. Can you point to a thing in scripture that would say that like you're locked in? Like that, that, that the gift you have when you accept Jesus is the gift you keep? Sure, sure. First Timothy five. Okay. Okay. Paul says, Paul says to Timothy that he's to fan into flame the gift that is his that was identified by the elders who had laid hands on him and called him to that purpose. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's an element there of of gifting that's well, like I don't I don't disagree with that. But where's the statement that that's a permanent thing for Timothy? Well, I think, well, it says your gift. I think that's why I think. Oh, it's just that singular idea. Yeah. Yeah, Like this thing. And of course, then later, Paul is going to tell Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. Now, evangelist is a gift. Yeah. But he's kind of communicating 
This isn't your gift, Timothy, but you do it anyway. Hmm. Oh, that's an interesting thought too. Yeah. Sometimes you, know, you still have to do things you're not gifted to do. Sometimes you have to do things you're not gifted to, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I'm, maybe it's just because I'm a project-driven person in life. And so in my head, I think of this as like, God has a project for his people to do. He equips them to do it. Sure. And, sure. um, well, it's, so, let, but, uh, yeah, but at the same time, like, you know, if somebody, if God gives somebody a gift of hospitality, I don't know that there will be a point in their life where they decide no longer to be hospitable. No, I don't think that works. Right? I, if right. God blesses somebody with this ability to just um, have a heart for helping others, I'm not sure that heart ever really changes. No. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I just, I want to be careful to treat things with flexibility that the scripture potentially gives flexibility True. to. But now, see, if I add in the concept of filling. Mm-hmm. A different concept because of that, spiritual that gift helps is, me a well, bit, right? It, yeah, if spiritual gift is permanent, mm-hmm. filling can be temporary. Mm-hmm. Then, um, for example, great passage in First um, Samuel: Saul is anointed king. Right? How did Israel know that Saul was appointed king? Because all of a sudden, Saul starts prophesying with the prophets. Right. Which becomes, you know. A, it you know, like an axiom of, you know, is Saul also with the prophets? Right. And uh, I'm not even sure that Saul was saved mm. in a spirit. I'm not sure he was even indwelt, mm. but he was, he was temporarily, temporarily filled. filled. And that was a, that was a sign of the fact that he was called as king, mm-hmm. which then in first Samuel chapter 14, he's no longer called as king. The spirit of God departed from Saul. Right. So this is an example of like filling, not indwelling. Filling, not indwelling. Right. But for a and and his his kingship, his leadership is Holy Spirit enabled until that moment that the Holy Spirit leaves him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that you know believers can be filled with the Holy Spirit to do a specific job. God may fill somebody in a church to. Uh, temporarily be a worship pastor. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the church needs a worship pastor. They need somebody who has a talent of singing and a willingness to lead and and so on. And that person leads and does a great job uh, until the church maybe outgrows him. Mm-hmm. Maybe his worship style is great and people start coming to the church because they like his worship style. But now he's at a place where he's uh, Peter principled himself in a sense. The Holy Spirit has said, okay, you know, I'm, I've taken you this far. Mm-hmm. And now somebody else is going to come alongside who's going to build on your ministry. Build on your ministry. Yeah. And, and you can go back to ministering to children. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there are temporary gifts that happen. Um, when I say the person has a permanent gift, I'm not excluding the possibility of a temporary one. All right. So that's fair. Yeah. But now we need to deal with the elephant in the room. Yeah. This whole sign gift thing, which you've already teed up. And then we like walked away from the tea box entirely. Right. Because you can't talk about sign gifts until you talk about what the gifts are and what they're for. And and the reality that they are for the church. Yeah. And and I think one of the things, particularly in our tradition that we point to when we talk about sign gifts is that they had a purpose. Yes. And that had is a past tense word. Like it had a purpose of establishment, right? Right. Like in that culture, 
there was a work done by the Holy Spirit in believers. This is the this is the accepted belief of those of us who are cessationists, yes. right? This is to say that these things have ceased. Um, uh, that that the Holy Spirit equipped believers with a particular set of skills <laughs> that would allow them to not skills, but just had to quote the movie that would allow them to verify the, um, the truth of scripture, right? right? They were, they were so extraordinary in that culture that people had to take notice and take Christianity seriously. Yes. Um, and so things like healing and speaking in tongues and, um, Prophecies, Prophecies th those are, you know, th um, those are things that happened to help establish and prove out scripture to the culture. Verification. Right. You know, what's interesting is uh, we tend to look at spiritual gifts and focus our attention on the book of Acts and mm -hmm. on the New Testament. What's interesting is if you do a study of the entire 66 books of scripture, mm -hmm. you will find that there are periods of sign gifts. Yeah. So, for example, um, you go to you go to Exodus and Moses, right. and God is about to do a new thing with Israel. Mm -hmm. He's going to bring Israel out of redemption. Charismatic term again. I know, and I'm using it. I'm using it particularly because I think it's it's illustrating the point here, and, and right. I want to just make this clear. So, you have Moses who is empowered by God to lead Israel into a redemptive relationship with God. And you see 10 plagues and you see manna every day and you see trees thrown into water that suddenly make the entire water drinkable and mm -hmm. you see water from a rock mm -hmm. and you see flocks of quail suddenly flying, you know, at... Uh, Bird hunter's delight. Yeah. Uh, you know, eye level yeah. and all of these things that, uh, that, that God does that are miraculous. Mm-hmm that say to Israel, listen to Moses. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then you get from Moses, where all of these miracles happen, Joshua. And you don't see those. You see some. Yeah. You know, Joshua, Joshua calls for, oh, yeah, true. for clouds mm -hmm. so that they can continue their fighting. Mm -hmm. You know, the sun stands still in Ajalon. Right. The day stops so that they can continue their battle. Um, you see, um, you see the miracle of the falling of the wall of Jericho. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, those, those are miracles, right? but you don't necessarily see them continuing on into the life of Joshua. You actually get to this amazing point in first Samuel where we've been before, mm -hmm. right? First Samuel, um, they're kind of call Saul as king. And there's this crazy statement. It says um, that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There were not many prophecies. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, he doesn't say that it didn't exist. Just rare. Just rare. Yeah, because we're on the this generational piece. You've got Moses and you have Joshua and then you have this time of the judges. So you get about 400 years yeah. of, of, of decrease. Right. Or of change. And God does miracles. Change is a tricky word. You know what? God does miraculous stuff during the time of the judges, right? Yeah. And you got a wet fleece, you got a dry fleece. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You got people looking for signs and God is giving them, but they're rare. And you get into Samuel and the word of the Lord is rare in those days. There were not many prophecies. Mm -hmm. Boom. You move on. You got David, you got Solomon, you've got, you've got 
verbal inspiration, you've got inspiration in, in, in spades, and then you get the prophets. Right. And the prophets are speaking, and the prophets are doing miracles. Mm-hmm. Like you get... Yeah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and... Even yeah. Elijah, Elijah walking in, yeah. standing in front of Ahab and saying, this is what God says. Yeah. No rain for three years. Right, right, right. Which is followed with... The best scene in all of the, the Old Testament. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> Standing on top of the mountain. Right, with, with a handful of cloud mm-hmm. that brings gully washers of rain mm-hmm. to Israel. Right. Mm-hmm. That's miraculous. Yeah. And then you get from the prophets, you get to the later prophets, Malachi, you know, Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. Not, excuse me, not, not... Well, Ezekiel's got those dry Ezekiel's bones. Ezekiel's got some dry bones, yeah. yeah. But you get to Malachi, you get to, uh, you get to Haggai, mm-hmm. you get to Zephaniah. They're just proclaiming God's word. They're saying, this is what God says. Right. No miracles. Yeah. And you see a silence of those until a manger, right? Jesus. Yeah. Jesus does miracles. Why does he do miracles? Because he's verifying the message that he has. Just like Moses was verifying the message that he had. Mm -hmm. Just like Elijah was verifying the message that he had from God. So you get these peaks. If you were to, if you were to go through chapter by chapter and identify all of the, all of the uses of miracles and so on, or even even you know Saul speaking speaking in prophetic utterance, whatever that mm-hmm. was. Boom! You get miracles, miracles, no miracles, no. You get these peaks and valleys where God speaks and where God doesn't speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's the challenge. I think the charismatic, the modern day charismatic, would press back on us on this is to say, well, then can't God do that yet again? And isn't He? Sure. And our argument has been, you know, from isn't He? Hmm. Isn't he? And and our argument has always been, well, like, you know, the canon is closed, revelation is closed, you know, we see this decrease in the use of sign gifts, even in Paul's ministry, and throughout, um, throughout time moving forward, right? And so the, their statement is, well, can't God reactivate these things and use them? And hasn't he through us, right? And, and you know, and are we just denying the work of the Holy Spirit? Mm, um mm, in blasphemy yeah in our refusal to acknowledge that these sign gifts are still present and active right and i, I you know it's this, this is an interesting thought and, I, and i've even i've talked with solidly evangelical missionaries this is another fun one like rabbit trail yeah who serve the lord in interesting cultures that are far from the west who will whisper to me out of earshot of anyone else because I am a safe person, which, you know, is an honor, who will say, I have experienced things here in the mission field that I can't explain that had to be miraculous movements of the Lord. Right. And I've seen miraculous healing and I have seen like, you know. Walking into a tribe and suddenly speaking in their language, language. and sharing the gospel. Yeah. And I like I've had somebody I had a missionary tell me this like I can't share this in the churches I go back to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've had that too. Yeah, yeah. So here's here's here are word choices. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit. That's my favorite. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, does the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Probably. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Will he, and this is when, okay, the cannon is closed Mm -hmm. for now. Oof. I just turned you off. Listen carefully. (laughs) I hate the book of Revelation. Now somebody definitely just turned you off. So, so inside the pastor's study, here's, here's a good one for you folks. Mm -hmm. So as pastors, we quite often get, can you do a study on Revelation? How about some even better? Here's what I get. What do you believe about this passage? I'll get, (laughs) I'll get a, an envelope, a manila envelope Mm. from Arizona. Arizona I don't most of these come from Arizona so Interesting. it must be something to do with the heat it's thick and I open it up and there is either I this is my favorites there is a handwritten photocopied dissertation on why the Holy Spirit or on why Christ is returning this year because this person has received revelation from God that God is re- that Christ is returning, mm-hmm. and and if you're intending to send me one of those, <laughs> um, I always open them and then throw them right in our recycling bin. I never read them. <laughs> right, they're pretty entertaining. So. Gotta say, I also get all of the. Um, can I do a study on Revelation? And I despise studies on Revelation. I despise them so much that you wrote one. That <laughs> twenty years ago, I did one. <laughs> yeah, and and here's one of the things that here's one of the things that we miss about the Book of Revelation is that. In the book of Revelation, God again reveals himself and opens up the canon. Hmm. You have two witnesses, for example, who are going to prophesy in Jerusalem. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're going to do miraculous signs. Mm -hmm. They're going to raise the dead. They're going to do all kinds. In fact, they themselves will be raised from the dead. There are all kinds of amazing things that are going to happen that it's God revealing himself in, in immediate supernatural yeah some of it which john saw and couldn't repeat exactly yeah and then you have this amazing statement um in revelation 20 after the millennium where it says that satan will be released for a little while mm-hmm. what is a little while mm. but like five minutes and then boom he gets slammed back into 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 hell i hope so um or is it like five thousand years is there another epic Mm. that we as 21st century Christians don't see, that we're looking like Abraham is looking forward to the birth of Christ and seeing it, but not understanding it and grasping it. Is there another epic up there? Is there going to be another, is there going to be another canon added to the canon where God reveals himself to men in the future in some amazing supernatural moment. I'm not saying yes, but I'm telling you right now. Somebody's panicking in their car right now. I'm telling you right now that there is the strong possibility that God's revelation is not complete Hmm. because he's going to continue more of it in the book of Revelation and afterwards. 
Does that mean that there will be miracles and there will be signs and there will be perhaps tongue speaking and healings? Yes. And it's there, right? But in the grand scheme of things, right now, the word of the Lord is rare. Mm. Because what God has done is he's given us 66 books of scripture in which he has identified and defined how he has worked in this world. And there are way too many people looking for new stuff that haven't grasped the, the stuff that, old stuff. Yeah. Uh, which is a, man, I think that's probably like 80% of my pastoral counseling is, you know, people coming to me with issues and me saying, well, did you try the stuff that God has already told you to do? Right. 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 And the people are looking for this like answer to a problem they have. And the answer exists and has existed for quite a while now, but they're just ignoring that part. Right. It's like, it's like, you know, searching for a new diet that's going to help us lose 20 pounds when the truth of diet and exercise have existed for quite a while. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I think we do tend to do that. And I think this hopeful, there is this hope for a, a new knowledge, which <laughs> we've gotten into trouble with a lot yeah. over our history. There's this hope for this new knowledge that will just, you know, uh, reveal to us the hidden trick that we've always wanted to know. And, you know, if we just do this one simple thing, the devil will hate it. It's, and so all I need to do is, yeah, I'm just throwing out the keywords. Maybe we'll get some new followers. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like we'll do these things. You'll never guess what happens next. Yeah, 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 yeah. Click through these 39 slides, you know, and plus the 40 ads. Like this is like, you know, we, we do this. We keep searching for these new things. And I, and I, and I often when I, see the desperation for the renewal of the sign gifts a, a lot of that is from people who are searching for a new thing when god's already given them what they need great stuff yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely i i know that this is like the third rail of christianity right now um when i was a kid uh, my father got most of his spiritual development from christian radio hmm. and uh there was there was a great man of god who did a call-in program on on our local Christian radio station, um, and he would take questions. Hmm. He was the Bible answer man, is what he, they oh, no, what they build yeah. him as, yeah. and it was really good. So he would he would take call-ins, and people would. And, but here's the deal: like most times, if you call into a radio program these days, there's somebody called a call screener, mm -hmm. uh, and his job is to make sure that uh, whatever questions are received are going to make the going to make the guy on the radio look good yeah this they're the things he already studied for and plan to talk about that day. yes absolutely so um tough because what would happen is people would call in and nine times out of ten they wanted to turn the conversation into a discussion about sign gifts mm -hmm. because um if if you believe in sign gifts you were probably more focused on the ability and the belief of sign gifts than you are in anything else in scripture. Mm. And now I've offended you mm. and that's fine. <laughs> you, the essence of heresy is something that's out of balance. Mm. And if all you want to argue in life is sign gifts, here's your sign that you are a heretic. <laughs> well, isn't this what Paul talks about, right? Like, you know, this 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 desire for certain gifts that he's combating. This is in yeah. Corinthians, right? This is yeah. the Corinthians passage. 
Paul is saying, like, I speak in tongues more than any of you, sure. but you should desire these other gifts, right? And I think that's the piece that he's, he's, he's really digging into with those believers. They're so focused on certain gifts. And a lot of that focus, I, I think, I don't know, I feel like in the passage, a lot of that focus is for like, you know, the ability to compare their spiritual, their spirituality against the spirituality of yeah, others in the community. Yeah, we are. Right? And so this is more about self-comparison and affirmation than it was about the work of the Lord in a, in a particular church. And that's, I think that's what Paul's correcting there. That's my theory. Right. 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 Um, and, and the other so, thing is he says is, so how does that help your church? Right. You know, yeah. what, what does your church get out of that? Yeah. yeah. I would much rather, Paul says, I would much rather have five words that are, that are intelligent, intelligible to everybody in the room mm-hmm. than somebody who can speak for hours in a foreign tongue. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's that becomes one of these issues here, and this is this is the challenge of sign gifts at the moment. I think in our culture is it it has become a divisive thing, not a unifying thing. Right. And if it's of the spirit, it should unify his church. Um, it, it should be something that is that brings the church together and and corrects it and aligns it with his purposes and his vision for the world. And what the argument over sign gifts has done in our culture over the last 150 years is to rather, instead divide it. Um, that's, I don't know, there's, that's the challenge that I wrestle with. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have, this, it's also hard because you know, I, I, there are people in ministry that I adore and respect who um, serve within a movement that is, um, you know, that, that believes in the continuation of sign gifts. Right, people in the Assemblies of God and people who are in the Pentecostal movement who, again, are dear believers who love Jesus and love the Lord. And so I'm not calling these people outside of the realms of orthodoxy. But this this fight has been something that does not feel Holy Spirit-led. Yeah, yeah. So the, the other thing, I had a professor one time that challenged us with this, and it, very well done. Um, it, there's unfortunately this... Um, this effort, you know, to kind of pigeonhole people. And sure. it happened to me one time where uh, someone said, well, sign gifts, are, are they of the Holy Spirit or not? And, and you know, my response was, well, no, they're not from the Holy Spirit. And that was the answer. Well, you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you're going to hell. <laughs> and uh, and it, what they've done is they've, they've set up a false. a false dichotomy. Yeah. Because one of the things said Professor... Dear man of God, and just kind of came out in the middle on this. Mm-hmm. And the middle was, he said, does it have to only be from God or from Satan? Can't it be from human origin? Mm. Can't people influence themselves? And he identified that culturally around the world, even in communities that are not Christian, it is possible for individuals to speak in tongues, to speak in uh, uh almost a, a gibberish, I hate to use that word because somebody's going to be offended by that one too. That's like three offenses in one session. You've been making good. up for a couple of missed weeks. I have, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so they just rattle on, right? And and he says you can find it in African cultures and in Asian cultures. It, it does not have to be, it does not have to be a Christian culture to have it. And here are the experiences. They use very similar monosyllables, there is always this opinion that it's from a, a higher power, 
And there's always a euphoria that follows after it because you feel like you have done something great. Hmm. So uh, his his context on that was, suppose you are emotionally involved with your worship and with the Lord and in your emotion and in your humanity, you react with speaking in tongues. Have you accomplished anything for others? No, but you have this amazing sense of euphoria that you have had done something great and wonderful. And he said, for you, who has now experienced that euphoria, Mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. He says, don't get addicted to it. (laughs) He said, that's, that's the first, that's the first Corinthians six concept, right? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. I, I will not be bound by any. If you speak in tongues and it has been good for you euphorically, and you feel like something great has been accomplished, you have emotionally pleased yourself. Hmm. You have not done anything for God. Hmm. And if you want to continue pursuing that emotion in your own life, that's between you and God. It doesn't help the church. But it might help you. But it might help you. Don't get addicted to it. Hmm. Interesting. Is that, that, you know, I remember having a a deeper conversation with somebody who was wrestling with this idea of like a heart language prayer, right? Mm, You mm. know, it's... I, you know, I don't have words for this emotion that I'm feeling. So this this utterance, this holy utterance, is something that the 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 son can, you know, you know, who who uh, is there advocating for me on my behalf before the Lord can interpret and um, and then communicate with the Father. And isn't that a bit of a sign gift thing too? This this heart prayer piece, right? Yeah. And uh, so, oh, like that. Like, if that helps you, but I don't understand how that necessarily helps the re- the broader church. And when we're talking about yeah. um, what the gifts of the Spirit are, what this charisma is of the, this charismatic act of the Holy Spirit is, its purpose is to unify and encourage and expand God's church. Right, right. Whereas the sign gifts exist to verify a new message from God. Yeah, and we've just said we don't necessarily have a new message. Right. right. We need to start doing a better job exactly. of, of Remaining the old message. communicating the message that exists. Yeah. 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 And, and living out the message that yeah. exists. There's even, so there's a, a new, just add a wrinkle to this, right? Is the whole vineyard movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vineyard movement is dis- no longer new, but yeah. Distinct, yeah. The vineyard movement is distinct from the assemblies of God. Most people don't see that because, of course, they just see. If, if you're an evangelical and you see charismatic stuff, you just say, oh, they're all charismatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the Vineyard Movement is distinct from the, the Pentecostal movement in that the Vineyard Movement says um, that the, the Gospels are key. Mm-hmm. And everything that I need to do and know is in the four Gospels. And everything that was active in the four Gospels is active today. So they'll embrace healing mm-hmm. because... It was something that was done, was done in the four Gospels. They don't necessarily engage in tongue speaking. Because that was post-Gospels. Because that's post-Gospel. Um, although they still, you know, I guess holy laughter is still part of these couple of those groups. But 
the whole idea is I'm going, I'm going to be, we're going to be the ultimate New Testament church because the four gospels, this is what guides us. Hmm. And uh, so strong emphasis on healing in the vineyard movement mm-hmm. because it's the gospel action and it's not, it's not how Jesus carried out healing because again, Jesus is doing it to verify that he is sent from God very specifically. Right. Whereas the vineyard movement is just saying we're trying to authenticate ourselves. Which has become my filter in this conversation. I think a lot of times we, we, when we encounter these, these um, more extraordinary gifts in our culture, like the question that I have to ask whenever I encounter this or, you know, or somebody who advocates for it is like, who, it's that old like, economics, bene- economics question, who benefits right. from this? Like what, like what about God's kingdom grows out of this? And is this something that um, points directly to, the, to Jesus or, or to the Lord? Or is this something that points to you or your local church like doing something? And if it's got to go through like, um, you know, elder so-and-so or, you know, pastor so-and-so, and this is why I speak in tongues because it's got to build up this ministry or this person or myself. That's a red flag for me. I, mm-hmm. I hear things like that and it's like, ah, that's not really building up Jesus. That's building up somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and even, and in Jesus is healing. It's like, is this, um, does this work of healing make everybody turn their heads and look at the Lord? Or is this work of healing make everybody turn their heads and look at this person? And that's, uh, you know, there are, there are a lot of people who know the name Benny Hinn, right? Like that's, uh-huh. Uh-huh. we look at that healing and we look at Benny, right? We're not, you know, like, and we give a whole bunch of money to his ministry because whatever, like the, this is, a, this is, a, this is a filter for us. Like, Whenever we encountered some of these gifts that make us feel uncomfortable, the whole point is to build up the church and build up the groom, right? Right, right. And uh, yeah, we can get ourselves into trouble if we don't remember those things. And you look at Jesus' healings, they are so distinctive. I mean, um, there's no, there's no, I've always loved this about Jesus' healings. There's no um, pattern. Yeah, right. He, he mixes it up every time, right? Does He does something different. Yeah, this time I'm going to spit in know? mud. This time I'm going to, yeah. This time I'm gonna I'm gonna heal you a little bit so that you see like trees, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna sharpen your focus, mm-hmm. right? The, the, then I'm gonna give you LASIK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does he does different stuff every time, and you you realize that Jesus is the only person who actually healed an amputee. Mm-hmm. Now you're gonna have to work on this because when we think of amputees, we think of arms, legs, whatever. But uh, in the garden, right. Uh, Somebody who had no faith, a guy named Malchus, mm-hmm. loses his ear because Peter is such an awesome swordsman. Right. And I think he was wearing one of those like pointy like Roman helmets, and it, and it just know, just kind of glanced down. off. Slip, slip. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Caught the ear. Yeah, just lost his ear. And Jesus, this is cool, guys. Jesus picks up the man's ear and puts it back on his head. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know how anybody how anybody then grabs jesus and crucifies him that sees that thing but they did which is crazy yeah you know yeah um but you you know malchus's name yeah so maybe malchus is actually part of the church yeah yeah that's that's one of those cool things if if somebody 
that's kind of my go- my rule, my mm. go-to rule in scripture is if God identifies somebody's name, it's so that you can go ask the guy about it. <laughs> it's it's because he's known within the congregation, he's known within the grand, the grand congregation of the church. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that somebody like Malchus is you know, the difference, right? You have Malchus's name um Luke mentions Luke mentions more names by the way than anybody else in the gospels because mm-hmm. Luke probably did eyewitness study and account while Paul is in jail in Caesarea right. Philippi. So I mean Luke tells us about uh, Jairus's daughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Jairus probably because he says, you know, that Jairus is named Jairus probably is uh, among the believers. Right. Right. Um, and and that's an, uh, you know but you go to say you know the other gospels and you say um a ruler of the synagogue is that Jairus or is it somebody else um he's outside of the kingdom hmm. his his name isn't mentioned mm-hmm. he's just somebody that came to Jesus for help and Jesus helped him and you know or the roman the centurion who says to Jesus you know with great faith, he says, uh, you know, my, my servant is ill. You don't have to come to my house. Right. You know, now is that Cornelius in Acts 10? Yeah. You know, but he just says, I, I you know, I, I know what authority is. I, I say, come and they come and I say, go and they go. You, you, you give the word and my, my sure, servant's healed. healed. Yeah. Um, just amazing stuff like that. But names, but healing, the Holy the Holy Spirit through Jesus heals to verify that he is bringing a new message from God. Mm. Yes, the key issue here is, is Revelation closed or not? Mm-hmm. And if we're supposed to survive on the revelation that we have until the revelation begins again in the new kingdom, in the tribulation, um, then I don't see that there are sign gifts. Currently. Currently. Yeah. If they are... And I'm not going to rule them out entirely, but we've talked about it. They're rare. Right. Right. And rare is a great word, I think, here. Um, and I think it's where I land on this, too. Like the, the, that the Holy Spirit has acted this way. And because God doesn't change, he is fully capable of employing this capability at any point he wants to employ it. Um, but at the moment, I, I believe it is... It is hard to find. I would call, I would I would I would align myself with the cessationists and say this part is finished because the because the scriptures have been established. Yes. And yep. we are in this age of the church where our job is to now do the work we've been challenged to do. And we're not doing a we're not doing a bang up job of that per se. <laughs> and so <laughs> let's try and focus on the stuff we know and use the use the rest of that huge list of gifts that we've been given and go and serve the church so that the church can accomplish its mission. Yes. And uh, perhaps if the church can get its act together and do what the Holy Spirit has enabled it to do, maybe God will do a new thing. Um, but at the moment, we're not doing such a good job. And so we need to kind of you know, improve there. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that maybe we'll talk about down the road because we're running short on time is how do we discover this gift and employ it? Oh yeah, that'd be a good um, conversation. And, and work through that. I, you know, this, you know, you can start with the quiz that works. Sure. Um, 
you know, you know, we've always talked about, you know, getting in and trying stuff and seeing. It's a good way of verifying if you have that gift yeah, or not. Yeah. Um, but we can talk about that stuff down the road. But, you know, maybe we've given people enough to chew on this morning. We're just working through this idea of charisma or giftedness from the spirit. Um, and the reality that every single believer. This is the key piece. Yeah. Every single believer. You've placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your savior. The Holy Spirit indwells you and gifts you. And that gift is designed to encourage and support the church. The church. Um, and you play Not a you. role. Not you. Not you. Yeah. You play a role in the larger church by serving a local church with your gifts. Yes. And if you've not identified those... You know, we can talk about that down the road, but if you've not identified those, your church is missing a key component to its success. Um, and so it's the role of every believer to understand their gift and put it into action so that the church can flourish. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Very good. long, uh, long, uh, theological the, term of the week. The Do I hit the button as the we go out? Button? Nah, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll, you know, we'll just leave that a little open because okay. just because spirit, you know, the, the sign gifts are closed, but we'll leave the theological term of the week open. Yeah. But we're glad you've joined us this week. Thanks for uh, tuning in and checking us out. We do hope you share the podcast with others. Maybe today's conversation is one that will create a great conversation with a friend. Um, and, uh, you can take it further from here. Uh, but we're, uh, we're glad you're here with us. We'll see you back here next time. Bye, everyone. You have been listening to Inside the Pastor Study Podcast with Pastors George and Jeremy Stevens. Artwork by Caitlin Gallagher. Music by San Demetrius. And engineering help from Ashley Gallagher. To find out more about us, head to Marsh Corner.